message. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. As for the holy ones in the land, they are noble, in whom is all my delight. Those who choose another god multiply their sorrows. Their drink offerings of blood I will not pour out, or take their names upon my lips. The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. have a good heritage. I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. In the night also my heart instructs me. I keep the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I shall not be moved. Therefore my heart is glad and my soul rejoices. My body also rejoices. For you do not give up the shield or let your faithful ones see the pit. You show me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy in your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Thank you. Let us pray. Holy God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Alleluia. Amen. Now what? We didn't read the very, very ending of Matthew's gospel this morning as might have been expected, except for that whole Doubting Thomas Sunday after Easter thing. But I will tell you that Thomas's, that Thomas's story is a lot more in-depth than that ending that Matthew gives to the Gospel. It's not quite as brief as what Mark gives, um, but it's really, really close, because after the resurrection, there's about 15-20 more verses, and that's it. Because Jesus was resurrected, and the women saw him, and he told them to tell the disciples to go to Galilee, and the disciples believed the women. Thank you, Matthew, for that one. And they went to Galilee, and they saw Jesus, and he said, Okay, it's your turn. Go. Go make disciples of all nations. And meanwhile, back in Jerusalem, the guards who had fainted at the sight of the angels somehow still knew about the resurrection, not sure how that happened but were paid off by the authorities quite handsomely in order to lie. And thus we have the root of a little bit of the anti-Semitism that still plagues the world. All right, that's the end of the Gospel of Matthew in about 10 seconds flat. It didn't take a whole lot longer than that to read it. But you don't need to read it. You don't need to have the Gospel open before you to know that after the resurrection, no matter where you find the disciples, whether it's on a mountainside in Galilee or in an upper room right there in Jerusalem, whether, whether they have believed or doubted, they are all sitting there back into their own lives and thinking, now what? Following Jesus was an easy concept when there was a literal, physical, embodied Jesus, a human being, 
to follow. Any little kid will tell you, follow the leader is easier when there's a leader. It was easier to follow Jesus when they could literally be behind him, walking with him, sitting at his feet, learning and hearing stories, going out to heal, knowing that they could always come back for advice and correction and reassurance. They did that a fair few times. Following Jesus was easy when no one actually doubted his existence. And he could speak for himself, and we didn't have to wonder what he'd do. Following Jesus was easy when there was already forward motion that he had created, when he had paved the way for them through Galilee and into Judea, when word of his presence, even in the region, was enough to bring out swarms of people. But then he died. And almost no one knows that he rose again from the dead. So now what? Christ is risen, and we've borne witness. But where do we go from here? The question that was posed to the disciples is the same one that we ask in our own discipleship on a regular basis. Because the three instructions given at the end of Matthew's Gospel make disciples of all nations, baptize, and teach them to obey the word of God that you have learned, those are still pretty vague, let's face it. And it's hard to follow when we ourselves are struggling to understand. And harder still when we are having to push back continually on the voices, both internal and external, of doubt and fear and grief. But the question that we ask, that now what, is also an ancient question posed by generations of faithful seekers of God from age to age throughout countless moments of anxiety and despair. It's been there since the beginning. Protect me, O God, for in you I take refuge. The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. I keep the Lord ever before me. The words of the ancient hymn seem like one that the disciples weren't quite ready to pray. But they also seem like ones that the disciples might have needed quite desperately as they stood out there on that Galilean hillside, as they witnessed the risen Christ and wondered what on earth earth they were going to do when they walk back down the hill. Because these are not, for all these apparently firm statements, words that express a rigid certainty. The words of the psalm are the words of a prayer. They're words not of sureness, but of faith. Words of hope. Words of trust. They are not, to use a more modern example, the words of Glinda the Good Witch telling Dorothy to follow the unmistakable yellow brick road. Rather, they are the cowardly lion walking down the hall into the throne room, whimpering, I do believe in spirits, I do believe in spirits, I do, I do, I do believe in spirits. That would have been a lot more fun if I could have heard you. The Psalms 
are not statements of faith. They are not creeds that the ancients said fixed in their belief as they worshipped a god whose presence was continually and omnipresently palpable to them. These are the prayers of their hearts. Back there in an ancient world that was not in many ways so different from ours, that was complicated and messy. Does that sound familiar? Theirs, like ours, was a world in which bad things happen to good people, and the wicked do not often seem to face the consequences of their actions. The Psalms were their prayers in the midst of doubt and fear and grief, the words that gave expression to a world that they longed for, the words that made it real, that made it possible, even if just for the few seconds of speaking them aloud. Their psalms were the equivalent of that moment that we just shared together when we all prayed, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And we hope in that moment that God will forgive more than the sins that we forgive. But we work to create a world in which we do. The evocation of this liminal, in-between, both and truth, in which we know that God is our protector, but we also need to remind ourselves that God is our protector. Those echo forward from an ancient hymn writer to a ragtag group of men and women on a Galilean hillside, left alone with their witness to God's abiding presence. They echo forward even to a people isolated from one another, and who are learning that giving at least six feet of space, preferably a good bit more than that, is perhaps one of the most loving acts of our lives. The evocation of this liminal in-between both and truth shows a little bit of the tension between God and humanity, and that echoes through the generations to every group who hears the Spirit's call to follow, and then the human whispers of doubt, the wonders and the whispers of, so now what? Christ is risen, and yet Christ is not here. God is our refuge, and yet we are still rightly sheltering at home. Those who choose another God multiply their sorrows, but somehow the billionaires and the virus profiteers don't seem to be swimming in their own tears. The eternal truths of the psalmist do not always show up clearly in our daily lives. And the whispers of doubt, I can't let Thomas alone, the whispers of doubt can be gift, begin to shift the foundations of the realities that live in the words of our prayers. Because as much as the prayer itself builds in hope, that which our eyes cannot yet see, as much as the prayer serves to make us dream of living God's eternal truth, so also it pushes us to ask ourselves how much the images we create are actually of God and how much they are our own. We step out into professions of faith that we speak in the hope that we can also live in a way that makes them real. But we are also aware of our own limited human vision. As clear as the yellow brick road is before us, a bright and shining path that we will not lose, 
we need to remember that it is not the road itself that gets Dorothy home. Rather, it is what she learned by walking that gave her the clarity of spirit to be able to use the gift that had been with her the entire time. As often as we speak the words of our faith, as often as we pray the prayers that build God's dream into our reality, we learn our own vision as we seek God's. We see our own images of what it means for God to protect us and for us to choose God as our portion. We see what it means to make and baptize disciples following the one who no longer walks before us. What it means to listen for God's instruction and to keep the Lord always before us. We learn to see our own vision and to acknowledge when God's dream for us is more than just a confirmation of our own biases. And when we look out into a world that we never expected, full of misinformation and doubt, when we stand in the liminal space between faith and fear and ask, now what? We, like the first disciples, stand with those who have prayed and built and asked that exact same question before us. We stand with them to dream God's dream into human existence without making a God of human expectations to live into a world of refuge and wisdom, gladness and goodness, to build from the hopes we speak in our prayers until God's vision is shared and the clarity we gain shines light on us all. And the words that we pray build a realm that is not just for us, but for God's presence throughout creation. Now what? Now we learn. We learn to follow Christ who is not walking before us, but who is yet with us, who set the cornerstone and guides us in the way of making vision into reality, whose voice we cannot hear, but in whom we have the courage of a lion to step forward into God's truths. Now what? Now we learn to follow Christ, the one whose love even death could not stop, we learn to follow even when the shadows press and the doubt creeps in. We learn to follow with those who seek the same path we do, with those who learn with us, question with us, hope with us. Now what? Now we begin. Thanks be to God. Amen.